0: Welcome to Tavern Tales Jr. and our third campaign, Mystical Middlemen. This is a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast for kids and adults. In Tavern Tales Jr., we take a group of kids on a wondrous adventure in an entirely homebrewed setting. This podcast is created by and for kids. So let's see where our heroes will take us today.
1: I'm wondering if you'd go wandering with me through the wilderness and woods. Where the winds are blowing free Through the darkness of the night Heading toward the morning light I wonder if you'd wander with me And I'll spread the word And you beat the drum We'll round up the troops And get the gang to come
2: Michael, it is your turn. What would you like to do? You have succeeded at blocking off the stench of this creature this turn. And what would you like to do?
3: Can I do Bane?
2: Yes, you can cast the spell Bane. What do you want to, what is it going to do for you?
3: Can I have it subtract 1d4 from every attack for the duration?
2: Absolutely. You would like to cast Bane. Is that an action or a bonus action?
3: I do not know.
2: It is one action, verbal, somatic, and a material component of a drop of blood. It is a concentration spell, and up to three creatures of your choice that you can see within range must make charisma saving throws. So I will attempt to make a charisma saving throw for this creature. It is very bad at those sorts of rolls. Tell me, what is my difficulty? I am now going to roll my my saving throw as you tell me what my difficulty is.
3: Fifteen.
2: So the saving throw I need to beat is a fifteen. I have rolled a 12. 12 minus 2 is 10. That is not successful. You have successfully cast Bane. What does this sound like when you cast it?
3: I want to do it in Celestial. Sure, of course. In Nomini
2: Patri, Espiritu Sancti, Amen. Cast the spell. It takes a hold. The creature goes. Argh! And then lashes out with verbal abuse in in infernal that only Savannah's character can understand. But it's just a string of swear words, so it's not really relevant to translate. That means it is now Lilith's turn, unless there's anything Mitchell would like to do. Did you want to back up even more, or do you want to step forward to protect your friends?
3: Can I plug my nose?
2: Yes, but even though you plug your nose, you'll still have to make the saving throw. I just may allow you to have it with advantage if you take your shield off or you don't have a hand, like no shield, no sword, then you can definitely plug your nose and have advantage on the check if you want. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll keep... You're going to soldier forward. Looks like you're going to keep both your sword and your shield raised and make the save normally. It's not a hard save for you.
0: Can I raise up my shield?
2: Yeah, you raise up your shield to the light. Lilith, what do you do?
0: like to use Toll the Dead.
2: okay. It is not hurt yet, so that's not going to help as much. Do you need to back up? Is that what you're planning on doing? Either way, you start your round within 30 feet of this creature. Make the saving throw. I roll a 15. Then you definitely have more than enough. You do not take any stench damage. And now you may attack with your Toll the Dead. And Will, you get to roll a d4 every time I roll a d20. I will now roll a saving throw. What's my difficulty here? Freak, uh... If it's the charisma one still, it's 15. You are also a charisma character. Yeah. So yes, 15. 15. Okay. So your charisma saving throw, roll your D4, and yeah. I have rolled a 12 plus, it's a wisdom saving throw? Yeah, was All right, wisdom saving throw. They're minus one, and I have to deduct how much from this roll? Three. So I'm deducting four from this roll. I rolled a 12. That's eight total. You are successful. You'll roll your D8 damage.
3: Let's go, staff. Then you do it again, and you get even more
0: damage. Four.
2: What does this sound like when you cast Toll the Dead as a warlock?
0: Almost sounds like get a large church bell, sort of.
2: Really? A church bell? What sort of warlock devilish bell could there be that wouldn't necessarily be church related, <laughs> right?
0: Yeah.
3: uh a phone ringing. like, but it, but it just doesn't stop for like 10 seconds and you're like, could someone please turn off their phone? The devil's or, calling.
2: Or it could be like, ni hao, robocallers that are talking to you in Chinese only or uh, you get those robocallers that are like, Service Canada has your social insurance number <laughs> and is planning to provide. It could be that too.
3: Yeah, yeah, let's do that.
2: But it would be in abyssal that you would say <laughs> these things right. Yeah. And then, tolling the dead you'd so. be like
3: no infernal dad you
0: mean infernal
2: yes infernal
0: too much stuff is in abyssal now it's a very deep and moving sound that i you're not expecting that wait it's in a cave so it's like so it's echoing <laughs> and it echoes throughout the cave ringing in this hurt per- this thing's
2: ears It reels back in pain and damage, having been hurt for the first time, and glares balefully at you as it is its turn. It strides forward further towards the entrance of the cave and lashes its tail towards the group, especially at Lilith, the one it can commune with as it raises its barbed tail high and strikes with a thirteen to hit, is that enough to beat your armor class? No. What is your armor class? Fifteen. Fifteen? What is what are you wearing for armor? Thanks.
0: Wearing light armor,
2: then that's enough. It bounces or misses you entirely, depending on on the perspective of how armor class works. As it glares, and it's standing right in front of you with this tail waving and lashing backwards and forwards. As we turn to Cerulean, standing next to you, and it is his turn. And Robin, if you open Discord, I will send you something right now. Even
3: if he hit and it did like twelve damage, it would be a minus four. I'm so smart. Bane.
0: Oh, nice. Thank you. I can turn into a Komodo dragon. <laughs> I actually wanted to do something before I turn into a Komodo dragon. I well, don't know.
2: you have bonus action to turn into an animal, yeah. and you have a regular action and a move action. What would you like to do with your turn? I wanted to cast
0: Moonbeam.
2: What is that? What does it do?
0: Okay, so five foot radius, uh, 40 foot high, all enter turn. It does radiant damage, which I assumed he would be not immune to because he's evil (laughs) Mm -hmm. and the range is 120 feet that's right and
2: when a creature enters the spell area for its first time or or starts its turn there it is engulfed in ghostly flames that cause searing pain and it must make a constitution saving throw taking 2d10 damage on a fail or half as much damage on a successful one shape changers immediately revert, if they fail the check, to their nor- their regular form. And on your turn, after you cast the spell, you can use your action to move the beam around.
0: I wanted to do that.
2: Absolutely you can okay. do that.
0: And I also have a bunch of color I want to do for doing the thing. So, Cerulean quickly turns to both Michael and Lilith and says, I'm gonna try something. It's been years since I've done it, but it just Back away from the creature if you can. And then, um... Cerulean kind of, like, steps into the, like, shallower parts of the stream. Starts kicking some of the water, like... And proceeds to do a little dance. Like, you know, arm up, very, like, gracefully kind of swinging around. And then he goes... Curnunos! Carnunos, Bless us! Shine! The light! It's this, like, beautiful moment where he's, like, chanting the things. And then he gathers, and he's kind of, like, a bit deeper into the stream now. One foot forward, one foot back, kind of both toes pointed, or, like, hooves pointed. And then he reaches both of his hands out, and his hands line up with the moon, and through his hands shines down this massive ray of blinding white light.
2: It is... A terrible, terrible amount of light and radiant fire-like damage as the sun's light bounces off the moon and is drawn in and then turned into a circular cylinder of burning light that you cast down. Are you and your allies in this light or not? No, no. You are just on the edge outside of this light, the creature itself on the inside edge of it, right? That is your turn. Uh, sorry, that is your action. Is there anything else you want to do? Oh, please also make that constitution saving throw to save against uh, the ill effects of the rotting stench.
0: I will turn into a Komodo dragon later. <laughs> okay. Uh 20.
2: Wow. Not great. natural. No, though. yeah, I figured. Uh, with the 20, you definitely have succeeded. You've overcome the stench of the despicable.
0: Always distracted by dancing.
2: Rotting flesh. You dance about, you cast the spell, the light erupts. Nothing happens until it's on a creature's turn. If they begin their turn or in their turn? They begin their turn there. When they enter the spell's area for the first time on a turn, or they start their turn there, they are engulfed in ghostly flame. So, is there anything else you'd like to do with your turn?
0: No. I want to turn into a Komodo dragon. Robin, imagine you
3: turn into a Komodo dragon, you open up your mouth, and there's just a moonbeam coming out of it.
2: It is now the top of of turn two, as we turn to Michael's turn.
3: Can I use Hunter's Mark on it?
2: Uh, yes, of course you can use Hunter's Mark. However, if you cast Hunter's Mark, that is also a concentration spell, and you currently have Bane up, which is a concentration spell. So you'd have to have one or the other, not both.
3: Uh, okay. Magic weapon.
2: You're going to cast magic weapon. So just so you know, magic weapon is also a concentration smell. But smites are not. So you could smite it if you would like to.
3: Smite. But the
2: problem is you will have to enter the moonbeam in order to do so. And that will cause damage to you.
3: I don't have anything that I can really do that's long range.
2: Ah, that's what you're looking for. Okay. So... Would you like some advice on what on how to approach, since Robin's cast Moonbeam and you don't really want to get hurt?
3: Yeah. It's also the fact that his tail, like, when you said that at the beginning, you're like, his tail could whip you if you get too close to him.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. But he, on its attack, it would do that. It doesn't get to do that as a reaction or anything like that. So just so you know, you are actually resistant to radiant damage. The radiant damage of this Moonbeam... You take half damage from it. So, if you roll the save and you succeed, then you take half of half damage. So, it might not hurt you very much in the effect of the moonbeam, if you would like to. Sure. So, given that you are an Asimar and these ghostly flames are from the place of where your people are from, you can <laughs> dash in there with your battle axe raised high and you can try to smite this creature if you would like to.
3: I would. All right.
2: Why don't you describe that for me then?
3: Michael raises his battle axe up high. And he says, on the one true God's name, send this creature back to where he came from.
2: Well, or hell, because hell is where it came from. But you don't say that word. <laughs> we don't say that word here. <laughs> I love it. You charge into the moonbeam. You need to roll a constitution saving throw first. Eighteen. Eighteen is tons. You needed a fifteen, because I believe that's what Robin's saving DC is. Robin, roll two d10. Roll low. Oh. YOLO? Roll, low is what he said. Roll low. How did we do? What's the total? Five. So half of five is two half of two is one you take one radiant damage as you enter the field you raise your battle axe high you cry out in the name of your god and you rain a strike down at it hit it
3: i'd like to think that inside like i I tried to say at first i was like yep a paper cut
2: (laughs) very much like a paper cut hey
3: Uh, Then I got a 16.
2: 16 is enough to hit. You may use your smite as well and expend a first level spell slot to cast a smite, which will give you two additional d8s. I believe since this is also a fiend, you get an additional d8 for hitting it as a paladin. And then... I think it's dead, guys. It is not anywhere near dead, but I like your your hopefulness. (sighs) Smite... Yep, it's a fiend. So it's three D eight plus your battle axe, which is two D six. So two D six and three D eight plus, I believe, four damage. Twenty-five. Oh my gosh. Really? I mean, alright, you used a smite. It's it's a fiend. That makes perfect sense to me. That is horrible. It is rent. It goes Wah! in a actual guttural goat-like sound not unlike you've heard a cry of pain from Cerulean. Eh, I'm fine. <laughs> you explode a bunch of disease Wait, did and I not. Whatnot did I not, not even it?
0: get to do damage to it? It like hasn't had baby? its turn yet. Is it dead?
2: It is not dead. Okay. That was Michael's turn. That was an epic turn as it goes now to Lilith's turn.
0: Like to use Eldritch blast.
2: What does it look like?
0: So Lilith almost steps up one foot back for support, and her hands start to spark and glow as energy seems to form within the palms of her hands. And she takes it and pushes her palms forward to blast this...
2: What color is the energy that comes lashing out from her hands?
0: It's almost an orange, like a deep orange.
2: Okay, that's Eldritch forces uh, gather and are erupted out and you've rolled your attack. 19. That is more than enough to hit this Bulazao as you strike it well and true. Roll your damage.
0: This is a d10, right? Or
2: That's a d10. Is it a d10 damage? Yeah. Then roll it up. Nine. <laughs> Nine plus anything? I don't think we've got your Eldritch Invocations listed in there, but there's an Eldritch Invocation that allows you to add your Charisma modifier to the oh. damage from Eldritch Blast. Would you like to do that? Yes, please. All right. So that is what?
0: Uh, 14.
2: The creature reels in pain and agony as this blast strikes it true. You are not in this realm of stench because you've backed away, correct? Yeah. At the end of the last turn? Um, no, you didn't. No, so you're no, still within the range of okay. it. You need to make that saving throw. So you stand there in front of it, blasting it with arcane might.
0: I rolled a 17.
2: Then that's more than enough for you to succeed, Woo! as it is now the Bulazau's turn. And on the Bulazau's turn, it needs to make a constitution saving throw. I have rolled... You have I- to roll a d4 on the constitution saving throw. One. So it's minus one is a fourteen. Fourteen plus three though is seventeen, what? and so it succeeds on the Constitution what? saving throw against the moonbeam. Roll your two d ten. It is divided in half, so roll it up.
0: Oh, um,
2: twelve. It's so that's- six points of damage.
0: I still did something,
3: you guys. You
2: absolutely have. It is going to attempt to flee the moonbeam. It will disengage. Move around you through the open mouth of the cave and out into the environs of the natural area. As it does so, you see the plant life and animal life in the area wilt under the rotting stench of the creature in a thirty-foot radius around it. It's left your moonbeam.
3: Hey, that's not what the one true. God it's my turn wanted. now. Now, right?
2: as it leaves your turn however because there's three of you and we didn't really set this up it disengaged for its action it didn't do anything harmful so it is now cerulean's turn
0: well cerulean at this action noticing like following it like cerulean is following it with his eyes Uh, notices the plant life wilt and he like whips around continuing the dance because the dance is the most important it's an important part of this this ritual that he learned as a child and he he turns around and he's like karenunos will not allow this and nature does not deserve this and like refocuses the moonbeam back on the
2: creature (laughs) first take a constitution saving throw to determine whether or not you take any of these uh, horrible stench damage. We're doing so many saving throws. (laughs) How did we do? Four. That is not enough. You take three points of stench damage, which I think is the first time for you.
0: Yeah. Ew. And then
2: is there anything else you want to do on your turn? No. You don't want to turn into an animal or do anything like that? I don't know
0: if I can moonbeam while I'm in animal form. You can. Oh, I can? It's
2: concentration. Okay. You can cast the spell and then maintain the concentration while you're in animal form.
0: I'm going to turn into a Komodo dragon. Just a Komodo dragon. Why don't you describe that for us? Okay. Cerulean's like, the stench is om- over, almost overwhelming for Cerulean. He's like, I don't know how well I'll be able to keep concentration, but it's not like I can't try. And Cerulean thinks back to the traveling group of people that he grew up with and thinks about the time that they went down and into an expedition into the tropics and remembers this elegant kimono dragon that was perched upon a rock from a distance, but this beautiful thing as soon as it saw the group slithered and walked away. But for a second, you know, the light was hitting its scales and Saruun thinks back to that memory, channels that memory, and as he finishes into another pose for the moonbeam, his top half begins to shift and he begins to converge in stature and is now... A Komodo dragon attempting to stand on its hind legs.
2: On its hind kind of legs? Goat legs. Goat legs. (laughs)
0: Because they always have goat legs.
2: Do you have the big Komodo dragon tail? Yeah. (laughs) So is there just like a goat leg and a goat leg and it's Komodo dragon down the middle? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's hilarious. All right, you fall down to all fours and your tongue, black, and Icarus lurks out and taking in the environments and enjoying the rotting stench of the smell of this creature. But he doesn't
0: really have, like, opposable arms anymore to do the, like, you know, positioning with the moon in order to create the moonbeam. So he just opens his mouth.
2: (laughs) He just holds the moonbeam in his mind. Okay, and he well, lands I, like,
0: I like that it I want it to kind of come out of his mouth. <laughs> sure.
2: Well, the moonbeam doesn't come from you. It comes from this, from oh, somewhere it comes else. From, that's yeah. why it's not an attack, and that's why it's a saving throw. So, that is the end of the second round. It is the top of the third round. It is Michael's turn. Make a constitution saving throw against the stench of the area you're in.
3: I'm just going to say something really cursed. Imagine a octopus with goat legs. Yeah, that's That's the point. what I was
2: trying to imagine, too. It, had, it would have eight goat legs.
3: <laughs> or it has two goat legs.
2: And six other legs.
0: Roll it up. Yeah. <laughs> the goat leg thing is so silly. Or, or it has octopus legs, but it has hooves at the bottom. 14.
2: Just on the die. Yeah, just on the die. Because your constitution modifier is plus one, so that's a 15. Yeah,
3: 15.
2: And it's a constitution saving throw, and you're a paladin. I think you get bonuses on constitution saving throws. Or maybe not. Wisdom and charisma only. Okay, so you've you've definitely succeeded. You do not take any damage. It is your turn. What do you want to do? Mm -hmm. A creature is 15, 20 feet away from you. He's run out of the light and and left the confines of the cave. You're standing there in the pool, in the puddle, as the creek flows past you. It is difficult terrain to move around, but you can still move and close with the creature if you want to re-enter the moonbeam again.
3: I don't want to stop doing Bane.
2: Yeah, don't b- don't worry about it. Don't have to stop doing Bane.
3: Okay, I run in
2: and you raise the battle axe high.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You bring it down upon the shoulder of the creature. Yeah. All right, make the Constitution save saving throw. Roll and roll the two D ten and see if you can save against the creature.
3: Bad rolls. Wait, I have to save against the creature you're,
2: again. No, you're saving against mm-hmm. the moonbeam.
0: The zero means ten.
3: right? Ten.
2: Uh, fifteen. How did we do, Will? Eight total is not enough. You are going to take half damage because even though you're going to take full damage from this, you're going to take half damage because you are a celestial creature. It's 15 damage, which translates down to seven points of radiant damage that you've taken. I'm sorry. And yeah, well, that's the problem with Moonbeam that you have taken this damage and you raise your battle axe high and you bring it crashing down upon the creature with your attack
3: eighth time today that i've thrown it off
2: all right you're plus six so how did that go 17 that is enough to hit you've struck well and true are you gonna make it a smite or not yes oh my okay you don't need to roll the damage there's only three hit points left in this creature okay you do a minimum of that with your smite wait wait, wait. how do you destroy it
3: i I have a minimum without the smite
2: yes But it takes half damage from non-magical weapons and non-magical attacks. So you didn't know how many hit points it had. So it's good that you used a smite. You strike well and true, driving deep into the creature. Describe for me how it is destroyed.
3: I miss a little bit because of the rough ground and the territory.
2: Right. You slip on the water of the creek.
3: Yeah, I slip on the water and my blade beheads another creature. Like
2: You you hit it. You hit the
3: monster. Like it chops into the shoulder.
2: Cuts deep into the shoulder of the mm. Bulazau. Does it lodge there or does it come cleanly out?
3: It is stuck.
2: With all the nicks that are in the battle axe? Of course yeah. it's gonna happen, yep.
3: So Mitchell pulls the battle axe out and with the little hit points that it still has left, it bleeds to death.
2: Well, it doesn't die. Because it is just returned to the abyssal plane.
3: It bleeds to return to the abyssal plane.
2: As you pull it out, it. A bunch of flesh tears free from it as well as it glares and lashes out with terrible infernal words into the minds of the three of you. And as it returns, as spores come off of it and pustules break open and it dissolves into black flies that disperse on the wind and the entire area returns to brighter green and the sun shines through a lot more brightly and it is the trees and the forest don't seem to grab at you as much as you start to feel like maybe the forest was grabbing at you trying to ask for you to help protect it help it don't leave don't go you need to stop this creature it was you believe it was trying to say to you as the world starts to become brighter and lighter and you know you know that whatever had infected that fawn has will probably it'll probably fight it off that whatever had happened was probably the bulisau that had done it and the creek flows clean and true and as the last of the black flies and the mist start to wash away a scroll appears floating where the bulisau had stood with the words written on it lilith evermeadow the scroll starts to unfurl floating in space and you can read the message written to you that i've sent to you in discord but is it written to you in infernal or is it written to you in common infernal too bad because if you'd said common i was gonna give you a gem oh (laughs) always choose the one that hurts you right
0: yeah. So angst.
2: <laughs> it still, nonetheless, says Lilith Evermeadow in common and makes it even more creepy and strange that, is that a it very, is written that, in infernal.
0: That so, is a very fancy font. So, Lilith, <laughs> what does it say? Can I read it out to the party? Sure. Uh, Dearest Lilith, my understanding is that you are returning to Fairview. I have a colleague I would like you to meet at the Elemental Tavern. Their name is R- Rorian and I want you to introduce them uh, to the mayor of Fairview so they can hit it off. A. Uh, uh who's A? Um uh, A is someone I've made a deal with before. I want to be able to read Lilith's expression.
2: Well, Lilith can describe their expression okay, to you. Okay,
0: what is what is your expression? You can tell that this A person isn't really he, like, Lola's favorite person, but but does not hate them by any means. Cerulean just goes, Hmm, well, I guess you have a side mission now. I guess so. Side quest enabled. We should keep on going to Fairview.
2: Uh, yes, we should. Well, with that in hand and this event past you proceed the rest of the way to Fairview and when we encounter our characters next game they will be across the river and the bridge but awaiting them for Fairview awaits having completed this quest to destroy this Bulozao
3: quest complete
1: you're wondering if I go wandering with you what kind of trouble we'll get ourselves into would it be wrong to tag along with a band of vagabonds you wonder if i'd wander with you so i'll spread the word and you beat the drum we'll round up the troops and get the gang to come and we'll leave the streets in these neighborhoods River,
3: through the this concludes this episode of tavern tales jr we'll be back in two weeks with more of the adventure our intro and outro music is through the woods by okie dokie brothers find their music on itunes or check them out at okie or follow them on twitter at okie dokie bros we'd love a review on itunes or check us out on Twitter at Tavern underscore tales. I'm
1: wondering if you'd come wander in my way If you ever get lost or if the trail leads you astray The music of the pack can always bring you back I wonder, can we wander away And I'll spread the word round up the troops and get the gang to come and we'll leave the streets in these neighborhoods head over the river